it's time to get a bit messy. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, football fans from all around the world, welcome back to episode eight of the Getting a Bit Messy show here in the WECB studio. If you're feeling a bit confused or perplexed as to why there was no episode last week, we ended up canceling last week due to scheduling conflicts with our staff and guests but we didn't miss that much as there weren't too many big fixtures, but a few teams did punch their tickets to the Euros in Germany. We are also blessed today because we have all three co-hosts back in the studio together. So we always have a lovely time when all three of us are here and we absolutely cannot wait to dive right into an epic week of league play and action from the European competitions. So with that being said, we won't dilly-dally for long. Our show today will be breakdown matches, followed by noteworthy news from around Europe, our Honker of the Week coronation ceremony, and our predictions at pace for the matches this coming week, which if you haven't been paying attention to, you should, because Nandan and Thomas are fiercely competing for the top spot, while I puts around about five points behind the pack. So, Thomas and Nandan, are you both ready to get a bit messy in the WECV studio tonight? Meow! Awesome, Thomas. Love them. Yeah, I can tell you're ready to go. Start. We're going to start with just a quick uh, wrap-up of the international break because there were some significant news out of those fixtures. France set a team record, beating Gibraltar 14-0. Argentina beat Brazil at the Maracana, which was absolute chaos. The match was delayed due to riot police beating the Argentinian fans prior to the match. And this, by the way, was Brazil's first ever loss on home soil in World Cup qualifying. First ever in the nation's history loss at home in World Cup qualifying. That is absurd. Dominic Sobosly's world-class performance pushed Hungary through to the Euros in Germany, and then Sobosly was seen taking shots of traditional Hungarian liquor with the fans in the stands after the game. So absolute <laughs> scenes that you love to see. Italy punched their Euro ticket amidst controversy after a horrible tackle by an Italian defender in the box wasn't given as a penalty on Chelsea's Mikalo Mudrik. Ukraine are left furious as they feel that they should have been through instead of Italy. And there were also some controversial comments from the UEFA president regarding that fixture. For some reason, African World Cup qualifiers have been an absolute festival for goal scoring. Games are regularly finishing 4, 5, 6, nothing in Africa right now for World Cup qualifiers. And last but not least, the U.S. men's national team made an absolute fool of themselves down in the Caribbean in Trinidad and Tobago. And despite advancing in the CONCACAF Nations League on aggregate, should have a hard look in the mirror after that performance. Serginho Dest particularly made a fool of himself on the night, acquiring two yellow cards in the span of under a minute, one for punting the ball off the field of play and another for arguing with the referee after receiving the first. I'm not going to lie. I don't know how the two of you guys feel about him. I'm sick and tired of seeing Dest in the U.S. jersey at this point. If he wants to be back with the Dutch squad so bad, he shouldn't have rushed to move to our squad in the first place. So now he's stuck with us and he can't play for the Dutch again because he made his one-time move. I don't know what to tell you, honestly. Yeah, it seems a bit strange to me. Uh, I, he has, I will, I'll be honest, he has so much raw potential, and I think every club has been able to see this honestly, but he just cannot seem to get a good temperament Um uh, it reminds me of the old uh, uh, Noah Lang, Eric Ten Hag situation, which uh, mm. people used to use as an example of Ten Hag's good coaching, yeah. where it was such a talented player, but he wouldn't uh, respond to the coach very well, and he was shipped off um, immediately su- uh, due to temperament. Yeah, and I think we kind of saw that as Barcelona days, too, back when he was like that weird 2020-2021 season where he was the starting right back. Um, I watched a lot of those games, and you could see very clearly he has the talent. He wrought ability-wise. He's a very good player. Uh, but I think it's just it's quite literally just an, a mental and an attitude situation where uh, until he gets that under control, it's not going to get better for him. I'm not going to lie, man. I'm not even really seeing the talent part right now. <laughs> I don't know where this talent is that you guys are talking about. He earned himself a move to Barcelona, couldn't establish his spot as the starting right back over an aging Sergi Roberto. <laughs> he earned himself a move to AC Milan. He couldn't establish himself as the starting right back there. And now he's earned himself a move back to the Eredivisie with PSV where, don't get me wrong, he's not performing poorly, but it's also the Eredivisie. Yeah, I think it's also, I think each of these teams, as we said though, uh, they're probably seeing like little, like those compilations of him from the past of him being good. Uh, it's kind of like how uh, Chelsea and Arsenal fans have been looking at Kai Havertz, Bayer Leverkusen comps 
uh, to hype him up. Um, but you know, Kai Havertz is Kai Havertz. Um, it's that kind of situation. I'd say. I will. I will remind that he was scoring banger after banger and uh, helping mm-hmm. out the U.S. not too long ago. Mm-hmm. I do think it is. I I think it's there's something very raw there. I just Barcelona is a structured team. I don't think he fits there. Uh, M- Milan, of course, under Pioli has been a structured team. I don't think he's been looking good there. PSV uh, under the chaos they've been under the last two the last two years. Maybe that's why. Maybe that's the place for him. All I know for certain is that if anybody is going to get the best out of Sergio Dest, it's certainly not Greg with three G's. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, we're going to move on to our breakdown matches because that was pretty much all we had from the international break. So we're going to start off with a top of the table clash in England that did not disappoint whatsoever between Manchester City and Liverpool that finished 1-1. Thomas, you want to start us off with this one? Yeah, what a fun game. Uh, this was a very interesting game. Uh uh, I got this wrong in my predictions. This is maybe one of the best performances I've seen Liverpool have at uh, the Etihad in a long, long time. Uh, the best, uh, uh, the only other that comes to memory is their, I believe, a two-one win they had in the Champions League mm-hmm. um, a, a few years back. But uh, historically, this has been a bit of a nightmare place for Liverpool. Mm-hmm. I think the five-nil is one that stands strong, and uh, yeah. probably yours, mind, Connor. Um, uh, yeah, don't believe me. Uh, I haven't, haven't forgotten it. But uh, yeah, the first half, I think Liverpool. Uh, I think both teams were probably frustrated after the first half. I think Liverpool were getting uh, well and truly smacked. They had a few chances, certainly. But uh, I think Man City would be kicking themselves over the amount of chances they created and uh, the fact that they only ended up getting a single goal out of it. Um, I know you'll talk a little bit about this, but I think Doku was giving Trent some nightmares, didn't manage to get much out of it. I don't think that's Doku's fault per se. I don't think uh, City were getting on the end of his uh, chances. And uh, second half, uh, Trent specifically stepped up defensively against Doku and offensively scoring Liverpool's only goal of the game to tie it 1-1. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, I don't know why, but I had that gut feeling this is going to be one of those games that ends up in uh, ends up being a draw, uh, so I'm glad to get that. Uh, it really was a fascinating game. Um, it was honestly, it, it, it kind of felt like a boxing match. You know, they both were, it, it reminds me of the, the Creed movies, honestly, where they're both just going, wailing on each other. Um, and at the end of the day, I think Liverpool can be very happy to get a point out of the Etihad. Uh, I think they'll definitely be the ones feeling a lot better out of this uh, of the two teams. Uh, And yeah, just great game overall, honestly. Yeah, this was certainly, like I said, a game that did not disappoint. Uh, It was Allison that slipped up first, literally slipping as he tried to distribute a long ball to Mo Salah. I think it was Nathan Ake that picked up the loose ball that Allison uh, threw and distributed it to Erling Holland, who does not miss opportunities from that range when you give him open looks. By the way, a quick credit to Ake, who did dribble about three or four uh, Liverpool defenders. Mm. Never seen him do that before. (laughs) Only when they play Liverpool do they decide (laughs) they're capable of doing something like that. Um, Also, Erling Holland has become now the the fastest player in Premier League history to reach 50 goals doing it in how many games was it? 48. 48 games to score 50 goals in the Premier League. That is insanity. Mm -hmm. Beating out the likes of, I believe it's Joe Cole, who was fastest before him, and Alan Shearer next after that. Some company that. Yeah, elite company for Erling Holland to make his way into. Only his second season in the Premier League. (laughs) I was also, like Thomas was saying, very scared of the Trent versus Doku matchup going into this game. And there were definitely some flashes of brilliance from Doku in the first half. And like you said, Thomas, I think they'll be really upset that they didn't finish off some more of those chances that Doku was creating in the first half. Because, wow, the second half, Trent Alexander-Arnold was a different player entirely. Mm -hmm. Came out, clearly you could see the look of determination in his eye that he was simply not going to let Doku have his way in the second half completely shut him down all second half. Doku was going back, backward passes like crazy. And then, like you said, Trent gets up the field and scores Liverpool's only goal with a brilliant strike. So after the strike, Trent, if you didn't see the pictures, sprinted to the Man City home end and shushed all of the Man City fans while wearing a pair of custom Adidas Predators with the tongues on them. (laughs) I think one of the most iconic footballing photos I've seen in a long time and one of the most (laughs) iconic ways that Trent could have announced that he was not with with Under Armour anymore and was switching to Adidas. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Agreed. 
So that is point shared at the top of the table. So Arsenal will be happy that no team gets three points out of that game and they can keep pressure at the top. Speaking of pressure near the top, Newcastle absolutely thrashed your blues, Nandan. Chelsea lost 4-1 to Newcastle this past Premier League weekend. What went wrong there, my friend? Hey, you're looking blue right now. I'm, yeah. <laughs> uh, That's cheeky you know, from you, Thomas. Very cheeky. You know, all all I'm asking for is, is one regular day at Chelsea Football Club. I think... I, I, joked, I can see the anguish in your face as you I, talk about this. I, I, I joked a couple weeks ago that we are the entertainers of the league. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm going to have a stroke by the end of this season if we keep playing like this. Um, you know, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't even know what to tell you. I think uh, a, lot of the, a lot of the team just felt kind of slow, lethargic. Uh, felt like the international break hangover definitely was hitting them. Uh, but at the same time, we're also talking about a Newcastle team that is ravaged with injuries. And yes, Chelsea are ravaged as well. But when you look at our depth versus Newcastle depth, uh, I see absolutely no reason to be losing 4-1 to this team. Uh, so overall, it is a very disappointing result. Uh, I'm angry about the Reese James red card. Uh, the Thiago Silva mistake did not make this any better. Um, but you know what? Uh, what I can take away from this is Raheem Sterling scored a banger of a free kick. Uh, to give me a little bit of hope at the start. Uh, and at the end of the day, uh, you know, we go again. Uh, that's all you can really say. Yeah, 100%. It's one of those you just have to go again if you're Chelsea. Yeah. But it is incredibly hard to go again now next time without Reese James it is. at that right back Although, spot. Although, I will say, I do have trust in Malagusto. I think in him, we have finally found a long-term uh, secondary to Reese James. Same, I think. same Malo Gusto that got subbed on against Arsenal and immediately conceded the equalizer, right? <laughs> all right, all right, all right. That's He's learning. He's learning. <laughs> you have to understand the standards for Chelsea fullbacks that whose names are not Reese James is below sea level right now. The, the bar I am just asking you to defend, uh, or at least just exist on the field. The bar is very low. I say get Serginho Dest in there. <laughs> How's that for a bar? That's oh, certainly God. one of the hottest takes I think we've had on the show. <laughs> oh, Thomas. God. Listen, St. James's Park is certainly no easy place to play, but they've created more against bigger opposition this season, namely Liverpool match day one. That was hell for Liverpool. Uh, I was at that game. It was not a fun time. Um, but Arsenal comes to mind. Yeah, Arsenal also comes to mind. They gave Arsenal hell as well. But PSG. <laughs> <laughs> but for some reason, for some reason, Chelsea just can't seem to get it right in the moments that matter most right now, can they? No, and I will say also it's important to note that Poch was uh, serving a sideline ban for this game, so I, I can't tell how much of him was there. I will say the decision to start uh, Ojukoku in a game where he, when he hasn't had much experience this whole season. I believe was a bit immature from his end. Um, I would have loved to rather just throw Gallagher into the middle and try and experiment with some of the more with the wingers we have. I so would you would have you would have enjoyed Gallagher at a double pivot with Enzo. Over Ajakoku, yes. And considering Gallagher's current form, I would. And trust then who him. else would you have started in the midfield? You know, part of me almost wants to experiment with Palmer as the ten, and then try and get because I think he did very well in those in those little pockets of space. And I would want to see, uh, I would want to see Sterling. I would put Mudrick in uh, on the on the on the left, to be honest, and throw Sterling right. to the right wing. Fair I enough. think, I just think in such a game, I think it was an immature decision to start him. I think Ojukoku should have come on. Um, I think he should have come on, but you know, um, my opinion, I can't change anything. So I actually think that's a good. Uh, I'll point out in uh, uh, in the academy and in his early days at Man City, Palmer did actually play behind the uh, did. behind as the striker ten. rather than as a. Especially he, if you watch, or as almost like a false nine. Yeah, role. he he has a tendency to free roam even when he's mm -hmm. playing on as a right winger. Uh, you'll notice when he was at City, he'd tend to stay so, out wider, but mm -hmm. at Chelsea, he does he's tend really to like to free roam a little becoming more. Becoming that focal point, I think. I think that would have been the smarter decision, uh, rotation wise, but. You know what he reminds me of a little? Uh, speaking of Pochettino wingers, Ooh. Christian Eriksen. Uh, when he was, if Ooh. you remember, he played as a allegedly as a uh, right yeah, winger at that under Pochettino. Air quotes around um, winger, <laughs> but he would play in it defensively on that on that same right side. But during it, he would tuck in as a free roaming attacking midfielder. When the other uh. players would go up, they'd create a space behind. I I actually don't think that's that bad a shout. Mm. Sure. Also, the other thing that we talked about earlier before the show. 
What's the situation with Connor Gallagher? Where is where is the goal scoring part of his game gone? You, you know, it's funny. I've been looking at some stats, and he's actually putting up uh, for a non-defensive midfielder because he is fundamentally probably more of a box to box or at least a yeah, double pivot. I would call him more of an eight than a two. I'd yeah, say an eight, sure. yeah. In not excluding just pure sixes, um, one of the best defensive numbers in the entire league right now. Mm-hmm. Like genuinely putting up monstrous uh, defensive stats. He's number one in uh, in several like tackles per uh, I think tackles per minute or something. The new like that. Golo Conte. Um, but this is what's a bit baffling is Connor Gallagher because we remember oh, him my. as the guy who was scoring ten goals p- plus a season for Crystal Palace, and so now he seems he's doing really well. But um, he had a moment during this game where uh, he uh, wins. Uh, he picks off the ball, drops the defender. And then has basically just nothing left to do but shoot on a kind of kind of sighted keeper, scuffs it completely. It, mm-hmm. It's like his basics. He's done everything right, but the thing he's known for, he no longer seems able to do anything about. Yeah, yeah. The, the Connor Gallagher of old from uh, Crystal Palace would have smashed that top bins Absolutely. without hesitation. He would have taken that first time. Yeah, one hundred percent. All right, we are going to move on from the situation at Chelsea Football Club to talk about some big Champions League games from this week. Starting with PSG 1, Newcastle 1. Massive controversy in this game for those who aren't aware. Newcastle will certainly feel that they have been wronged after the ball appeared to strike the arm of a PSG defender in the box. But VAR then overturned the correct decision on the field from the referee and has now potentially robbed Newcastle not only of a penalty and a goal, but also rob them of a potential to make it through to the knockout rounds. Thomas? Oh, I, would, I just wanted to say, I think I think um, uh, this is the other way around, actually. It, yeah. it struck the arm of a Newcastle, Newcastle player. Oh, yeah. excuse um, me. Uh, sorry, this is just important because uh, the nuance of this is is quite shocking. Um, uh, and you're absolutely right, VAR, uh, the... the on, the referee gave on the on-field gave the completely correct decision. What happened was, at a very close proximity, it bounced up. I can't remember. I don't believe it was Lascelles, but it bounced up, hits his chest, then hits hit the his torso, arm. Hit the torso, torso first then arm, and his arm's completely natural position. That's the word that the referees have been using. That's what mm-hmm. IFAB have been using. Natural position. Yep. Hits his chest, then hits his arm in a natural position. Referee waves it away. He says, no penalty. And he's absolutely right. Then VAR comes in and tells him, no, you've got it wrong, and has him overturn it. This, I believe, was at the 89th minute. It took until about like the 90 plus 4 or something to actually get the decision. And it took until the 97th took, minute. Yes, and then 97th, so about 8 minutes to get the decision wrong, by the way. And this, by the way, is not um, something that we're just complaining about as like uh, subjective or just kind of how we saw it. Um, IFAB actually agreed that this was the wrong decision. The VAR team had been removed from all duties for the next match day. Um, um, they were removed from the next games the following day, and they have gone on record to very openly state that if it hits your body and then hit your arm in such a manner, it cannot be a handball. Mm-hmm. And we saw this, uh, I know we'll talk about the uh, Man United game later, um, but this exact scenario came up, and uh, and the announcers were absolutely baffled by this by how it wasn't a penalty, and I have had to clarify that it was a completely wrong decision, like cl- like unequivocally wrong decision, meaning VAR got VAR managed to take eight minutes again. to take the right decision, make it incorrect. And now it's us to uh, Newcastle, uh, which I believe would have qualified them for the uh, for the round of would sixteen. It? I, I believe it would at least they would have put them in it the driving seat, right, driving the seat where seat, they yeah. would have requ- it would have required a complete catastrophe not to qualify. And right. now they have to hope. Uh, for now a they have results to hope to that results way. go their way. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what a crap situation. Um. Yeah. I'm honestly. I was. I was. I don't even know. I was just baffled. Um. Especially. Because uh, Newcastle defended excellently in this game, they they really put everything on the line for a team that's so torn from injuries. Um, and I think I think this kind of speaks. I'm honestly a little disappointed that it took PSG this much to even tie with Newcastle in the first place. I think it was a really pathetic performance from them. Uh, namely, I don't I don't know his first name, but the, the one of their wingers, Barcola. Uh, oh, oh my oh my lord, moly. he could have had. A quadru- he could have had four goals if he just knew how to tap the ball into the net. He I had think an there was... expected goals of four. And at had the, zero. He, he subbed on, had an expected goals of four, ended with zero. <laughs> he missed, I think it was three how of them you, were tap How do you even manage three to tap-ins. have expected goals of 4.0 because and not score right a single goal? He had three tap-ins that he missed, 
and he had, I think, two one where he hit the post. He had one where he hit the post, and then he had a header where he jumps, towers over the defender, keepers helpless, puts it wide from about one yard out. Mm-hmm. And M- Mbappe as well. Mbappe had a couple where he just completely whiffed it. I will say, um, though, emphatic had- penalty. Emphatic penalty. But- keeper goes the right way, and Pope's a huge, huge keeper. Mm. Uh, smash top corner. I wish you had brought this up last night. He could have been honker of the week. <laughs> Yeah, I'm I'm just disappointed overall. Uh, that might come from my dislike of PSG in the first place. Me too. Um, but I think Newcastle in this round they deserve to go through the knockout stages. I'll be very disappointed uh, if PSG end up going and, through. And I'll I'll say I think PSG would maybe be the most stacked team in history to ever play in the Europa League. I think it, <laughs> it just be oh, that kind of be fun to see PSG lifting a Europa League. Is that not fun? Uh, I think it'll be, be funnier funny. to watch them go out in like, the think, quarters to like <laughs> the Athens. I think I th- that I would be think, hilarious. I think what would be really funny is if PSG managed to drop into the Europa League and win the Europa League before they found Champions League success. <laughs> <laughs> With the amount of yeah, money their that first they first European into that silverware. <laughs> their I'd fans rather... have begged for European silverware forever, and now here they've you go, brought it. <laughs> Just watching Mbappe frowning while he's no, he's holding a trophy, knowing he's going to Real Madrid. Yeah. <laughs> Oh yeah, you guys see the news about that? Apparently um, that that Real Madrid are prepared to give Kylian Mbappe an offer, but if he really wants to join the team, he has to be quick in accepting it. Huh. I don't blame them. He's yeah. he's kind of uh I I can't say that on air, but he's kind of uh, messed with them a little bit. <laughs> um, he's he's definitely been toying with them a bit, so I don't blame them at all. Yeah. They look good right now. They they look in a yeah. good position. They don't right honestly now. Real Madrid look like right now they don't need Mbappe. I don't no. think so. They could survive well without him. Yeah, they but hey, I'll say this. Wouldn't hurt. No, it's it certainly, it's certainly I could use him on either. I could use him on a dining hall FC. <laughs> All right. Mbappe to dining hall FC. We've got one more Champions League game to cover before we have actually one exciting Europa League game that squeezed its way into our breakdown matches this week. So first off, Galatasaray three, Manchester United three. Another two goal lead blown for Man United in the Champions League, and another Onana Howler on the ZH free kick. Oh, nah, nah. What is going on in Manchester United? Why can they not hold on to a lead in European competitions? What's happened to Onana, and why can't he hold on to a ball in a soccer game? <laughs> I saw I saw a tweet that said that uh, Onana had single-handedly uh, cost Man United the Champions League, uh, and then uh, someone retweeted that with, wrong, it was with both hands, actually. <laughs> 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 that's fine. That's cool. <laughs> uh, okay, I, I would like to do a quick little update, by the way. I had done the math out uh, last week, uh, presuming that Manchester United beat Galatasaray. We're going to have to update our numbers here for Man United uh, qualification watch for all the fans at home. Right now, Bayern Munich have obviously qualified. They have 13 points from five games. Then the exciting race for, for the next one is Copenhagen on five. Galatasaray on five, and Man United, bottom of the group, on four points. The only way that Manchester United can qualify is if they beat Bayern Munich at Old Trafford, and then go, and then Copenhagen and Galatasaray have to draw. That is the only feasible way. They need to beat Bayern Munich. If they draw, it doesn't matter, which would be a good point for them, by the way. It doesn't matter because Galatasaray or Copenhagen will still have one more, at least one more point, presuming they draw, or a, or a win will put them up three. Good gosh, this team is terrible to watch. <laughs> I can't wait for them to beat Bayern. <laughs> to be fair, this the Bayern game, just, it, it the history of how United have been the past couple years, this just feels like it's the kind of game that they would somehow win 3-1. This feels like that PSG comeback yeah. that I'm ready for. It's- yeah, also also at Man United, weird situation right now is Rafael Varane has apparently fallen out of favor with Ten Hag. <laughs> yeah, they so- now have some odd beef on the side. I, I had looked at this because I saw he wasn't playing, so I presumed that he was uh, injured. And so no, I. they benched him for uh, Lindelof, who right now in my score rating has a uh, 4.6, which is uh, only one point higher than Onana and uh, somehow less than Anthony. Anthony, who did absolutely <laughs> nothing all game. You know, I think it genuinely becomes a question of who is the problem. Because I know we've talked so much about the, how with many club. of these teams, the yeah, whole club, just the, whole the whole club is the problem. The whole club's the problem. But you also have to question, I personally would question Ten, Ten Hag's talent ID more than anything. Because 
a vast majority of his purchases have just been his former players, and so many of them have gone so poorly. I mean, Anthony, enough said. Uh, Amrabat, they're already apparently in in this in the winter window going to try and yeah, replace him. Yeah, they're already trying to move yep, on from really? Sophia and Amrabat. Yeah. Yep. Um, just so many different players he signed where you just go signed him on loan just to ship him right back. Yeah, yeah. And, and it and just goes. What? Although I wonder if that's the case. Uh, uh, the only somewhat exciting news that have come for them from these last few weeks, well, other than let's say Garnacho, who's looked um, mm. in ex- he, he looks in excellent form, as well as Bruno Fernandez. That's probably their only two saving graces right now. I believe Hodgland. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Still, has not scored a goal Premier in the Premier League. League. Yep. The Premier League. He's also, um, he in, he's does also injured lead, right now. Again, he does lead the UCL scoring charts, I believe, where he's yeah, very that, high up there. Th- that is true. Um, he did not ha- have a great game, but uh, K- uh, Kobe Mino. Uh, I could probably I'm probably pronouncing yes, right. um, yes. Actually, he has looked really, really good. Mm-hmm. Um, um, he's looked really. I don't know if this makes sense. He looks honestly like a like a Man City uh, graduate the way he plays. If you if you watch him, he drops. He feels completely comfortable dropping and playing possession. Uh, very very simple uh, balls. Uh, but he also uh, picks them up. He plays quite directly. If you watch him, is is he'll he'll he's comfortable shifting around. I wonder if his emergence is part all, part with this Arambat. Um I know people have been uh, hating on Arambat. Um If I'm honest, I. Uh, yeah, yeah, he hasn't been great. Uh, he's been playing at left back for most of his Man United career now. Mm. Um, but when he's come in, he's looked like he hasn't, you know, he's no Casemiro, obviously. I don't think anyone expected him to be. No. Um, and it's just odd because I kept expecting him to play alongside Casemiro to kind of help free up their attackers. Mm-hmm. And now Casemiro's either been banned or injured for most so many games that he's basically replaced him as is their second option. Yeah, like I think McTominay's almost become that starter now, correct? Yes, yes, he has. Yeah, it's it's a very interesting case over at United. Yeah, except I will point out that uh, McTominay did, I believe, did not start the Everton game. I, let's see, mm. let's see if I'm dead wrong here. Oh no, he did. He started with a side mono, but ended. With a rating with three point two in a three nil win in a three nil win against Everton. Wow! So uh, no one in that midfield seems to be able to step up to the point that they're searching for midfielders from their youth academy. He's looked good. He's mm-hmm. looked pretty good he's, in his, he in his two games. Really so far. good. He looked really good. But it's a very it's a very sad to say that when no other members of their senior squad seem to be stepping up into that role. <laughs> Agreed. All right. Time to move on from the Manchester United mishap in Turkey to talk about an insane Europa League game between Marseille and Ajax. Mm. This game, like I said, was absolutely insane as Ajax equalized twice within 60 seconds of going down and Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang scored the second most brilliant bicycle kick of the week, because let's be honest, no one is topping Garnacho's goal for the rest of the year. Anyways, Thomas, what did you like so much about this oh, game? Oh, I loved every second of this game. Every moment was just absolutely excellent. Uh, it was it was uh, a goal-scoring affair. It ended 4-3 to Marseille. There was so many storylines. Uh, a lot of moments of players where I went... Oh, that's where they are, including Gennaro Gattuso as the coach of Marseille, <laughs> which I keep forgetting. Um, it opened up uh, with an early penalty shout where Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang uh, scores, slots it away coolly. Marseille looked like they're taking the lead. Nope. Gave up a goal off kickoff to Brian Brabe, a, a name who uh, looked for a big move a few years ago to RB Leipzig. Didn't look much, got sent back to Ajax, has struggled this season, scores a great goal, um, drops a keeper. Uh, and about 15 minutes later, uh, uh, Mbemba scores, scored again for Marseille. They're up 2-1, and Brian Bravi again after another two minutes there, scores again, this time assisted by Steven Berghaus, who seemed to be spending the entire game incredibly angry. He did not seem happy at all. There was needless giveaways from the Ajax team, and he was letting his midfielders know it. This is important, as Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang scored an incredible bicycle kick, uh, peels off his defender, puts him up 3-2 against Ajax, and then Steven Berghaus, who, as I mentioned earlier, got a straight red card for violent conduct, an absolutely awful tackle. Um, He didn't look like he wanted to be on the pitch at any point during this game, if I'm honest. He seemed really quite frustrated. Um, I feel kind of bad for him, as he's been there at Ajax for a few years and has watched him slowly totter away. Um, Ren and Lodi also now a left back from Marseille. I thought he was still at Atletico. Uh, so uh, did I. Sort of a big mm. shocker for me. I did too. Um, 
because I think I keep getting it mixed up with Samuel Lino. Yes, yes, the other left, <laughs> Brazilian left back for uh, for them. Then at the uh, 80th minute, Ajax, uh, to, down to 10 men, score a 3-3 goal. They look like they're about to peel away. A huge uh, a huge incident in the 90th minute. Unbelievable <laughs> moment. Marseille go for a Hail Mary cross into the box. There is no one, and I cannot stress this enough, no one in the box. The ball is going high and wide. No, if, if no one touches this, it is going out for a goal kick. No player can receive this. It's about several feet wide and over the bar. I cannot figure out why, but the goalkeeper jumps up. Uh, I believe it's wrench jumps up for it for no reason, no benefit. It will be a goal kick. Slaps it down, trips, drops the ball. Um, a player from Marseille heads the ball and then trying to clear it, punches the player, giving away a penalty from a guaranteed Goal kick. Goal kick. And then Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang scores his hat-trick. Um, it's, and they, they, they all surround the ref, and it was quite a shocking moment. Unequivocal penalty. There was no, there was no uh, two things about it. Um, uh, and he basically turned what could have been a potential moment to try to get something out of this season uh, and a good result at, away at Marseille into an absolute catastrophe. Yeah, I just pulled it up actually, and this is such a stupid play. I agree. There is no need for all. It's 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 going out of bounds. If anything, yeah, um, just makes a complete mess of it. And then yeah, that's bad. All right, that is going to do it for our breakdown matches. We are going to throw it to a short break now here in the WECB studio, but we will be right back to bring you all the noteworthy news from around the European leagues as well as our Honker of the Week coronation ceremony and our predictions at pace for this week's epic slate of matches. So with that being said, don't go anywhere. And we are back here in the WECB studio, and it is time to run through some of the noteworthy news from around the European leagues and competitions this past week. Thomas, are you ready to get into this? Absolutely. Uh, Let's now, start it off with Friday, my friend. Now, there was only one major game. Of course, Friday is not known for him, but PSG absolutely tore apart Monaco. Um, it was a really rough night at the Parc du Prince for um, uh, Monaco, uh, who are now falling behind PSG in the table. Uh, they're looking to build a gap and win the league again, but uh, PSG and, uh, and Monaco still fighting with Nice at the top. Uh, there were five different goal scorers for PSG. That was Gonzalo Ramos, who they just fi- finalized an $80 million deal uh, with, I believe, Benfica for that. Good business, uh, in my opinion. I agree. He looks really, really good. Um, Mbappe penalty, Usman Dembele, Vitinha, who I, I like, want to see more from. And another young striker for them, uh, Randall Colomwane, who I absolutely love. He seems absolutely excellent. Uh, really good news uh, from the fans was that uh, Flori Balagran was one of the goal scorers for Monaco. And Despite the fact that Monaco got smacked, he looked good. He did. He did look quite good in that game, actually. And it's always good to see an American player performing well against some good European opposition. Throwing it to Saturday now, where we had a full slate of matches across all of the major leagues. Starting off in the Premier League, it was Burnley hosting West Ham and falling to a 2-1 defeat. It was looking good for Burnley. Really good. Almost too good. 1-0 1-0 off in the 86th minute when the own goal struck off of their defender O'Shea and Thomas Suchek goes on to score in the first minute of added time to steal all three points on the road for West Ham. Shame for Burnley fans who can't seem, Burnley just can't seem to win a game in the Prem, can they? Luton Town are up next and it's Luton Town who earned themselves yet another win at home at the Kenny beating Crystal Palace 2-1. Jacob Brown scored the winner after Michael Lise equalized for Palace in the 74th minute, and things started to look grim, but Luton earned an impressive three points. Nottingham Forest lost to Brighton 3-2 at home. Brighton are back in the win column in the Premier League, surprisingly. Taking down Forest on the road has been no easy feat this season, not to mention the fact that they fought back from being 1-0 down early. So, well done, Roberto De Zerbi. Sheffield United lost 3-1 at home to Burnmouth in the Premier League. A bit of a dark horse this season, aren't they, Burnmouth? Two Marcus Tavernier goals and a Cloyvert third for insurance saw them cruise through the game three up until late Ollie McBurney consolation goal. Arsenal also got a very tight margin of victory, 1-0 at Brentford, with a Kai Havertz winner in the 89th minute being enough to earn the Gunners another crucial win to keep pressure at the top of the table. 
Bit of an odd one in La Liga as Rayo Vallecano held Barcelona to a 1-1 draw as Barcelona visited. And I'm going to be honest, it's time to start worrying, Barcelona fans. This is another poor conversion from Xavi's Barcelona, who dominated the momentum for almost the entirety of the game, but allowed a goal against the run of play before halftime and then spent the rest of the game chasing to try to go get it back. Valencia also drew Celta Vigo, and our first quarter season grades have proved me right yet again. What the hell are Valencia this season? Not sure, man. Not sure at all. No clear direction or vision or real passion at this football club at the moment. Atletico Madrid earned a tight victory against Mallorca 1-0 at home, this time with Griezmann scoring the game winner. What a season Antoine Griezmann is having, huh, guys? Mm-hmm. Serie A, it was Salernitana earning a weird 2-1 win over Lazio. And ah, yes, another of the grades that we got right. Lazio, horrible in Serie A. Little hell demons in the Champions League. Good work, (laughs) Lazio. Atalanta won Napoli 2 as Atalanta dropped one at home. Cavaradana scored again for Napoli. And Elif Elmas goal in the 79th minute was enough for three points on the road. AC Milan also earned a tight margin of victory against Fiorentina as Milan avoided another scare at home, but just barely with a 1-0 win. A Teo Hernandez penalty just before halftime was enough to take the wind out of Fiorentina's sails for the second half, and the Rossoneri survive and happily accept a much-needed win before a clash with Dortmund in the Champions League. Last but not least on Saturday was the Bundesliga, where Dortmund hosted Mönchengladbach, and Dortmund built back some confidence with a 4-2 win at home before taking a trip to the San Siro in the Champions League. Scoring four goals always helps to build up some of that confidence. Werder Bremen dropped three. No, excuse me. Werder Bremen had three goals dropped on them by Leverkusen. No international break hangover for Xabi Alonso's Leverkusen. Wow, they are absolutely flying this season. Another dominant performance start to finish. Wolfsburg and Leipzig. Wolfsburg beat Leipzig 2-1. Leipzig drop an important game on the road and lose some of the crucial pressure that they needed to keep on the top of the table. Frankfurt last dropped a game to Stuttgart 2-1 at home. Stuttgart halt Frankfurt's red-hot Bundesliga momentum prior to the international break with Dennis Undav scoring a brace on the day. Nandan, you ready to take us through Sunday? Of course. We're going to start with the Premier League where, for starters... Uh, Spurs won Aston Villa 2. Spursy for yet another week in a row. At home against Aston Villa, a team that has been fairly good this season, um, but they were favored to beat them. Uh, Spurs have now gone from top of the Premier League table to fifth uh, in just under two weeks with three consecutive losses, so it's not looking good for them. Spursy. It's very Spursy. Anyway... Moving on to the big game of this of the what ended up being the big game of the this week. The big news of the week, honestly. Mm-hmm. Uh Everton no Manchester United three. Oh my lord, Alejandro Garnacho. He's just won the Puskas. I, I I don't think we can argue any goal is going to beat that this season. No chance. Uh and I also I just want to provide a bit of context that I think makes this absolutely beautiful. Uh is as we've discussed, Everton had got a ten point deduction mm-hmm. uh for I think uh, an unjust an unjust ten point deduction. Uh, and so in the build-up to this game, uh, Everton supporters were all, you know, gathering outside the stadium, doing all these mass protests. Uh, they got like 30,000 people outside the stadium. They got into the stadium, were creating an atmosphere that was meant to look like hell uh, and give United a tough time. Uh, and exactly a minute and 31 seconds in, uh, Garnacho goes and does this, and the crowd just goes silence. Um and I think that is genuinely one of the funniest juxtapositions we've seen this he, season. He said, take a 13-point deduction. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, incredible goal from Garnacho, uh, mirroring uh, Wayne Rooney's famous goal against Man City a couple years ago. I don't even Literally know identical. Literally identical. I watched both clips after the game just to try to make sure it was that close to being identical, and it was that close to mm-hmm. being the exact so goal that Rooney good. scored. Yep. So good. And overall, great performance from United. And surely this win would have given them a huge boost uh, going into their trip to Istanbul and get, you would think, a good result for them. Gave it for Garnacho, scored his first ever Champions League goal. Not the rest of them. <laughs> so at least Garnacho kept the momentum. <laughs> at least he kept it. Uh, anyway, going on to La Liga, uh, Real Sociedad 2, Sevilla 1. Uh, Sevilla have two defenders sent off in this one, including Sergio Ramos. Uh, and end up we'll playing get to that later. We will bit. get to that later. Uh, and so Ciudad have just been so good this season. Uh, no chance for Sevilla in the end. Afterwards, uh, Cadiz lost to Real Madrid 3-0. Uh, 
uh, a Rodrigo uh, double and another goal from Belly Goal himself are enough to earn Los Belly Blancos. Belly Goal, Belly Goal, <laughs> A-L-E. Rodrigo, by the way, looking like one of the most informed players in the world right now. Looking and really good. It Very happened good. right after he had the tussle with Messi. Just saying. Just saying. Just saying. Messi yeah. grabbed his neck and he's been bawling since. <laughs> the goat some, touch. Some might say the goat touch. Um, <laughs> moving on. Uh, going on to Syria and down in Italy. Uh, Empoli th- three, Sassuolo four. Uh, a very random seven goal thriller. About the most random the result. The most random team. This, this is like some uh, an EAFC twenty four game. Yeah. <laughs> um, epic stuff. And thank God we didn't predict this game. Uh, moving on, Roma three, Udinese one. Uh, Mancini, Dybala, and El Sharawi. That's a throwback of a name. All tally goals to throughs to a nice evening out at home in the league. Uh, and Juventus tied 1-1 with Inter Milan in a big game this season. Uh, and none of us predicted a draw nope. in this game. So Not a single one of us decided that those two teams might draw the game. I two showed historically, historically defensive teams, and, I, and none of us predicted a draw. That's poor from us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway... Uh, that pretty much does it for Sunday. Connor, Connor uh, Thomas, actually, you want to take us into Monday? Yeah, sure. Uh, Monday in the Premier League, we had Fulham 3, Wolves 2, Mateus Cunha and Huang Hee Chan. Uh, each scored in the gate and Alex Awobi goal. But Willian scores twice. Talk about That's throwback right. names. Willian, <laughs> Willian. Of old Chelsea fame, scored twice from the penalty spot to put Fulham back on top and earn an impressive three points at home for a Fulham team that's not looked quite as good as themselves. No. In fairness, They've been Wolves, very below par Wolves have mm-hmm. looked a little below par of their usual standards as well. Um, over in La Liga, holy moly, Girona dropped points against Athletic Club. 1-1, a little slip on the road from Girona. In the road, sorry, I should say in the road because he was at home, who allow Real Madrid to control the top of the table just this week. They are, I believe, only ahead on goal difference right now. But um, holy moly. Uh, Bummer. What a, Girona's not top of the table in Spain anymore. Yes, but Ooh, that is bummer. exciting. Uh, and then we have some exciting news out of the UEFA Champions League. You want to kick this off for us, Connor? Yeah, absolutely. So jumping right into the Champions League games, from Tuesday. Again, I say Lazio, horrible in the league, but little hell demons in the Champions League. Well done, Lazio. <laughs> Lazio beating Celtic 2-0 at home. Feyenoord lost to Atletico Madrid 3-1, and 23-year-old Rodrigo Wakelme gave us one of the most wholesome moments of the week, getting emotional after receiving his Man of the Match award after the game against Feyenoord and talking about how long he had been fighting to get into the team and how he never even dreamt of being Man of the Match on a UEFA Champions League night for his boyhood club. Mm. Mexican striker Santi Jimenez also did score in this game, but it was in the wrong goal, being credited with Atletico's third goal of the night on an own goal. In fact, Atletico rode two own goals past Feyenoord on the road. AC Milan dropped a game 3-1 at home to Dortmund, and I can see the rage in Nandan's face building up after <laughs> Dortmund have won yet again. Are you still uh, refusing to pick them in your predictions, Nandan? I still refuse. I will never pick Dortmund again. Spurs of Germany, they say. <laughs> the Spurs of Germany. I like that. I Manchester them. City beat RB Leipzig 3-2, and Man City looked really bad in this game, like surprisingly below their standard. Phil... I was going to say, I think Phil Foden said it was the worst game that he'd ever played under uh, Pep Guardiola for the first half. Interesting. Phil Foden actually looked to be man of the match on the field, but it was Luis Appenda that stole the show with a brace on the night against the reigning UEFA Champions League champions. Young boys also earned a easy 2-0 win at home against Red Star Belgrade, but that match did not matter as both City and Leipzig have already punched their tickets to the knockouts. Shakhtar Donetsk beat Royal Antwerp 1-0 at home. It was always going to be an uphill battle for Antwerp, who fought against yellow cards for defenders valiantly, but ultimately were forced to play too safe on the night to make anything serious happen against Donetsk. Barcelona beat Porto 2-1, and for a team that is so mediocre in the league right now, Barcelona really enjoy a Champions League night, don't they? (laughs) A bit, uh, yeah. So, Jao Felix and Jao Cancelo both score again, and as Max Demel once said on our show, Jao, many do you want? <laughs> both Jao score, and that's enough to push Barcelona past FC Porto. Nandan, you want to take us through Wednesday's Champions League? Of course. So we're going to start off with Bayern nil, Copenhagen nil. Uh, a disappointing draw at home for Bayern, but for Copenhagen, they've now made it such that Man United need to beat Bayern and hope that Copenhagen get a good result for Galatasaray. Hope that so, they draw, yeah. Hope, yes. Hope that they draw, more importantly. 
Uh, so boring for Bayern, but doesn't really matter for them, and it'll make Copenhagen's job a little bit more exciting. Uh, Sevilla 2, PSV Eindhoven 3. Two games in a row with two red cards for Sevilla. Not exactly a stat to be proud of. And you're not really doing yourselves any favors after our D ranking for their first half of the quarter of the season. No, but I will say impressive outing from PSV down 2-0 at the half to Sevilla who scored three unanswered goals, including a 90-plus two-minute winner. Fair play to them. Lovely. Uh, Arsenal had a 6-0 drubbing on Lens. Absolute festival for goal scoring. Havertz scored a goal. The world is ending, by the way. Uh, Jesus, Saka, Martinelli, Odegaard, and a Jorginho penalty. Six different goal scorers on the night. What a game for Arsenal. Uh, and that secures their passage to the knockout. Lovely night. For, and it means that they top the group so that they can't play, play Bayern, Bayern Munich. Can't play Bayern Munich. Fingers. No 10 twos. Uh, moving on, Braga won, Union Berlin won. Berlin earned an impressive draw on the road after scoring against a weaker 10-man Braga, but they should be a little disappointed that they conceded an equalizer while up a man. Uh, disappointing result for them, but life goes on. Uh, Real Madrid 4, Napoli 2. A really fascinating game. Uh, at one point, Napoli thought that Victor Osman had put them 3-2 up on the road. However, VAR did end up ruling it out. Uh, and Madrid added uh, third and fourth goals from Nicolas Paz and Jose Lu, respectively. Oh, and by the way, another belly goal in this game. <laughs> I, I don't know how many this this kid has. Um, I'm, I'm, losing, losing I'm losing track. Yeah, I'm yeah. losing track of how many belly goals we've had this season. I will say, shout out Nicolas Paz, who was captaining the Real Madrid youth teams up until now. I believe this was mm-hmm. his Champions League debut and scored an absolute stunner. With his mom and his sister yeah. in the stands, yep. keeper should have done better. But it, I don't. I'll give all the credit to him. Mm-hmm. Love it turns his players really, really wonderful moment. Agreed, hundred uh, percent. From there, Benfica played out an entertaining three-three draw with Inter Milan. João Mario scored a brilliant first half hat trick, but Inter chip away one goal at a time and pull themselves level with a Lautaro penalty kick in the seventy-second minute, uh, and that will settle that. Uh, and finally, a very boring nil-nil between Sociedad and Leipzig. No Salzburg. matter for Sociedad, Salzburg's, thank you. Um, no matter for Sociedad, though, as they are still through to the next round based off the other results. Yep. Like like we said earlier in the show, I think a previous week, uh, in that group, Inter Milan and Real Sociedad are both through already. So, Thomas, yep. you want to take us through the Europa League from Thursday? Sure. There's just a couple of notable games that we haven't already discussed. Uh, the main ones was Liverpool 4, no Lask. Uh, an incredibly dominant performance from the Reds. A lot of noise from the away end all game, but... Really is the front free of Salah. Gakpo and Diaz proved all to be all too much for the Austrian team's defenders. Uh, Salah scored a penalty. Gakpo had a really, really great brace. And Diaz, a wonderful header to get the party started early on in the game. Uh, the other the other big game is Haken nil Leverkusen 2. That's right. Tomorrow will be December 1st. Well, it is right it now, is actually. December 1st. When we wrote yeah, this, it'll yeah, be December. It's uh, December 1st right now. It's start of December. And there is still no team that has been able to better Leverkusen this season. They are undefeated. They have won every game except a single draw against Bayern. This is an absolutely remarkable feat going into the festive period. Uh, completely absurd from Xavi Alonso. Yeah. Insane season that Leverkusen are having. Thank you both for helping me get through those noteworthy news from around Europe. But that means that it is now time for Honker of the Week. This week's Honker of the Week award has been issued to Sevilla and veteran Spanish defender Sergio Ramos for his red card tackle in the game against Real Sociedad in the league. Ramos took an attacker down just outside the box, receiving his second yellow card of the game as he was already booked, and a subsequent red card. After begging the referee to review the play with VAR, the referee goes to the monitor, cancels the yellow card, and upgrades Ramos's infringement to a straight red card, meaning his suspension is now longer than it would have been if he just shut his mouth and accepted the second yellow. So, absolute, absolute irony, lesson learned, mess with the bull, and you get the horn, Sergio. <laughs> Only Ramos. Only Ramos. That's a Ramos moment. All right, guys. Time for our predictions at pace, our last segment of the show here. And we've got some exciting games coming up, starting with Newcastle hosting Man United, a team in hot form and a team in very cold form. I'm saying this one's going to go 3-1 Newcastle's way. Nandan? I'm going to go 2-1 Newcastle, play a little safer given their injury crisis. However, they have been scoring goals for fun lately. 
Aaron oh, Thomas. I'm gonna. Uh, I don't want to just copy your answer, but I feel like it's three one Newcastle. Mm-hmm. I could see Man U winning it, but uh, not at not at St James. No. All right, next up, a big clash in the Premier League between Manchester City and Tottenham. I have gone ahead and said that this one is going to finish 2-1 to Manchester City because this is at the Etihad, not at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, where I will be predicting a 2-0. You know, I'm, I'm a little on the fence here because I, I did I have written down as a 2-2 draw because, in my opinion, Spurs are always City's bogey team. Uh, but I also I do feel like City are the favorites here. But, you know... Just for the spectacle, I'm going. I'm going for a two-two draw. Is is uh? Do we know if uh, uh uh Romero's back for this game yet? I don't believe he is. Is he still out for one more game? Then in that case, I'm going two-nil to Man City. <laughs> I was gonna say it's gonna be a bit hard for Tottenham with no defenders. That's yeah. true. All right, next Pure up, vibes. Barca versus Atletico Madrid in La Liga. I've gone ahead and said that Barca are not in form, and this one is gonna go three-one Atletico. Ooh. You know, um. I, I, I'm sticking with Barca on this one originally. However, on second thought, given how their games have been, I'm going to change my prediction to a 1-1 draw. A boring okay. one. All right, Thomas? I was about to say a draw, but now I feel like i got to switch it up, get ahead of you in the pack. I'm going to go with a 2-1 Barca then. I'm, I'll say, they draw 1-1. I'm, gonna, I'm dropping out of the show. <laughs> All right, Leverkusen Dortmund names. is up next. I've gone ahead and said no one's beaten Leverkusen this season, and Dortmund certainly aren't going to be Ooh. the first team to do so. 2-1 Leverkusen. I don't need to express to you guys anymore how much I despise Dortmund, uh, so I'm going 3-1 Leverkusen. Uh, I'm saying 4-2 to Leverkusen. (laughs) I'm excited for another big one. Okay, and last one, you guys. Man United versus Chelsea in the Premier League. I've said that this one is going to be my draw of the week. 2-2 draw. You know, Chelsea seem to love the number four lately. Uh, I'm going to go 4-2 Chelsea. Ooh, I'm going to go uh, 3-1 United. Thomas says 3-1 to Man United, and that does it for our predictions. We will give you guys an update on those later this week. Before we go for the night, we want to take a minute to remind you to follow the show wherever you get your podcasts so that you never miss an episode or an update. Also, send us any messages or questions you want to be featured to gettingabitmessy at gmail.com, and we'll feature our favorite ones on the show each week. You can also follow our socials at gettingabitmessy on Instagram and threads and Twitter slash X at getting a bit messy without the G. So get in a bit messy. Be sure to follow along every week as we update the predictions at pace results table, which I desperately need to start making some moves in. Nandan, Thomas, which game are you most excited for this week before we go? I'm excited for Man City Tottenham. This seems to be the one of the best rivalries outside of Tottenham-Chelsea. I agree. I'm, I'm really hyped for that game. I'm also very excited for the United-Chelsea games. Those usually end up being classics or just really boring draws. Uh, so hopefully it's the former. I can't lie. I'm actually most excited for Barca Atletico Madrid. Mm. I think that's going to be pure drama. Interesting. Anyways, unfortunately, that is all we've had time for in today's show. But we hope to see everyone right back here at 9 o'clock p.m. Eastern Standard Time next Friday, December 8th, to get a bit messy with us here in the WECB studio. That's all for tonight, though, on Getting a Bit Messy.